you know, it's one of the things about 2020 that's been difficult. The last thing that we were able to do in missions was that trip. And then it, it, it kind of stopped this year with traveling because of the coronavirus. So we're excited to be able to, to start looking at our mission trips again. Matt's going to come up at the end of the service and tell you how you can be involved in that trip and a little bit about some other service opportunities. But I want to remind you as well, um, missions is open for everyone. Uh, we have lots of, lots of opportunities that we're looking forward to talking about in the future. One of the things, too, that happened this year as we kind of got off and away from our rhythm, if you will, of giving to missions. We have certain times of the year where we emphasize different missions giving opportunities. And so just as a reminder, what we're doing between now and the end of the year is we're asking you to give to missions above and beyond uh, your, your tithes and offerings and you can just market missions, and at the end of the year, we're going to divide that up through all of our missions, efforts, and opportunities, and just distribute the money that's been given in that way. So uh, we're excited about that, and again, Matt's going to come up at the end of the service and let you know about how you can be involved in that trip and a couple of other opportunities as well. Jesus is greater than. That's what we've been looking at over these past few weeks. In the book of Hebrews, the author goes to great lengths to continue to demonstrate that no matter what it is that you will face in this life, Jesus is greater than. He talks about Jesus is greater than the prophets. Jesus is greater than the old covenant. Jesus is greater than your past. Jesus is greater than your struggles. Jesus is greater than your greatest accomplishments. Jesus is greater than your blessings. Jesus is greater than. He goes on and on and on in this book to demonstrate the greatness of Jesus Christ and who he is. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I get into places like that and I begin to understand what's going on and I begin to see some things that I want to do, some things that I want to live, some ways that I want to change and adapt and be better and, and follow more and do these things, I come to this place where I always go, okay, I'm, I'm in, but how do I do that? Have you ever found your, yourself in that place? We're like, I'm so excited about this, but I don't know how. There's a phrase that I say to myself all the time. It's yes, but how? And I always wonder about, okay, yes, but how? Okay, I'm excited. Yes, I'm in. Yes, yes, yes. But I don't necessarily know how I'm supposed to do this or what I'm supposed to do in this. And so I'm, I'm always trying to figure out how do I actually live out what the Bible is teaching me? How do I take these things that God is demonstrating in my life and, and grow in my faith and mature and move on. And I'm so thankful that God gives us his word. He gives us others. He gives us opportunity to do this. But sometimes it's just hard to figure out how to get things done that we want to do. So that's why we ask questions and that's why we, we look to God's word and to other things to help us grow in our faith. But we actually do that in other areas of our life as well, right? We come by it pretty naturally. If there's not something that you're familiar with knowing how to do, usually you go find someone who, who maybe knows how to do it in a different way or a better way, somebody that's better than you. Maybe they've done this more than you have. And I don't know how many of you know this. I think most of you do. I, I enjoy playing golf. I didn't say I was good at it, but I'm, I do enjoy it. I enjoy watching golf. And how many of you ever heard of a guy named Tiger Woods? Anybody ever heard of that guy named Tiger Woods? Okay, see. So now you look around, and most people have heard of that guy, right? How many of you have ever heard of a guy named Noda Begay? Yeah, there's all my golfers in here. Like five of us are going like, I know, I know who he is. Well, he, he, he played golf with Tiger at Stanford in, in college. And one of my favorite stories is when, when Noda Begay was talking about some advice on tour. 
and, and he was coming to Tiger, and Tiger had always done well at this particular course, and Noah had always struggled at this particular course. And so he came to Tiger, and he said, man, when I get to this hole, this one always kind of eats my lunch. And so he came to Tiger, and Tiger said, well, here's what I always do. If I'm struggling with which club to use or how far to hit it, I just choose to hit it further because I know if I go long, it's going to hit the gallery and somebody's going to stop it in the gallery. And so, you know, that's Tiger's advice. So Noah's like, okay, I got this down now. I'm going to do this. And so Noah gets to that hole on the course. He hits his drive. It's in the fairway. And then he, he lines up and he's going to get ready to hit a shot. And he looks up and he realizes he's not Tiger Woods because nobody's watching him play golf. There's no gallery there. So all this advice he was giving, he's like, I can hit this shot, but if I hit it long, it's just going to keep going because it's not going to hit anybody. So, yes, I want to do this. I want to do better, but how I do it, it's important that we ask the right people, we ask the right questions, and we get this type of advice because God meets us. Hear me on this. God meets us right where we are. There's no matter where you are in life, God meets you right where you are, and he has a future for you. And that future is greater than anything that you could possibly dream or imagine on your own. We've said this before in this sermon series. Our ability is limited. We look at our past or we look at our current situation. And sometimes we look at God's word and we're trying to figure out how to put all that together. And we truly have this attitude at times. Yes, God. Yes, God. But how? How do I do this? But God has a different perspective. God is looking at where you are, and God knows your future. And he knows how to connect those dots in a way that you can't even see yet. And so what we need to understand is what we're in a position to do today more than anything else, to say, yes, God, yes, but how? And God will begin to show us how we can live life in a greater way than anything that we have thought of on our own or anything that we can connect from our past or our present, God has a way, and he will show us how. We got one more thing before I read this scripture. How is very important, isn't it? How is oftentimes more important than what? Now, they're both equally important at times, but there's sometimes that how actually makes a little bit more of a difference than what. Because there's a lot of times in our life that what we want isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it's not even a good thing or a bad thing. It's just kind of there. It's what we want. But how we go about it can be right or wrong. It's not bad to want a million dollars. How you get that million dollars could be pretty bad. If I earn it, then how I did that was like, great. If I steal it, then how I did that, okay, that's not so good. So how you go about doing things matters. And so as we get to chapter 12 in Hebrews, and we've read through the entirety of the passage today, but I'll read just a few verses for us again to remind us and refresh us. The author has taken great lengths to demonstrate to us the greatness of Jesus Christ, and he's given us examples of faith, of people who have gone before us and given us these things. And this is what he says in Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1, Therefore... Since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source 
and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes, I want to run this race, but how? Yes, God, I want to experience life that's greater than, but how? Yes, God, I believe you, but how then do I live this? And that's what we want to look at today. I want to give you, I want to give you five actions that will help strengthen your faith. And I know that sounds almost pedestrian or, or analytical or like, okay, we're just going to walk through these five steps. But I think there are times where it's very important. It's spelled out here in scriptures. And we need to understand that our faith should be filled with action. We, we live in a culture sometimes that pushes our faith to a box that says, you can believe whatever you want as long as it doesn't bother me. But that's not the faith that God intends us to live. Our faith should lead to action, and it's action that matters. God does not call us to decide. God calls us to obey. And those are two totally different things. We want to obey God because we find life, and so we want to have some actions that we put in place in our life so that we learn to live the life that God has for us and see this faith come to light and to make a difference in our life, to bring glory to God and to bring life to ourselves. So the first thing that we do, if we're going to put into action the words of God, and he's just spelled this out in Hebrews 11 before, and he calls it out again here in Hebrews 12, is that we need to remember the example of others. We need to remember the example of others. He says, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. That's again another reminder of why our faith is not something that's strictly personal or something that we do on our own. It's something that's to be lived in community. It's why we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and others as ourselves. Because God intends us to be in right relationship with him and in loving relationships with others as we walk through this life. He gives us one another. And we need to remember the examples of others. We have people who have gone before, people who know things that I don't know, people who have talents and gifts and abilities that I don't have, that we come together as a body of Christ, and that's how we live to the fullness, the life that God has for us, is that we do this, do this together. And I'm so thankful for those who've walked the road a little bit further than I have. Because I can't tell you how many times I get to life, a, a point in my life, and I just go, Man, this next season looks difficult. This next season looks trying. I don't know how I'm supposed to navigate this next season. And you know what? Sometimes it's not this wonderful, huge word of advice. Sometimes it's someone I know who has walked through that season who just comes up to me and goes, you'll make it. And they walk off and I'm just like, that's it? That's your advice for this season of life is you'll make it? And yeah, it's it. But sometimes it's encouraging just to hear people who've walked a road to go, you can do this. There's sometimes in life, though, that I just get stuck. And God gives me people who help me get unstuck. There's sometimes in life that I struggle and there's people that walk through that with me. We need to remember the example of others. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to go back and read through Hebrews 11. But do it with this filter. Don't just look at it as a bunch of people who we go, wow. Look at what God did through those people, and those are, they're so amazing. Look at it like this. Look at the different examples of faith in the different seasons of life. People who walk through 
faith in so many different ways. There's so many opportunities to express our faith in so many ways. And so God gives us the example of others to walk through that. There's no way that I'm able to do the things in life that I do or be the person that I am without people influencing and being a part of my life. Every week that I stand up here, I realize I'm not up here by myself. I'm here because of what others have done for me, with me, through me, all these things. And so we have a faith that's supposed to work together. And the author reminds us of that right here. You know, we not only are supposed to look at the examples of others, but do you realize this, that you are the example for others at times as well? It doesn't matter where you are on your journey. Some people may think, well, I just, I just, I don't know anything about God and why are people looking at me? Well, because honestly, we get to share the example of what it looks like at different ages and stages of life for other people. There are people who are trying to figure out what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be like Christ, and they look at your example. Whether you're a student and you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, there's other students that look at you. Whether you're a senior adult, whether it doesn't matter. People are going, I, I, I see something in there. You know what I'm thankful for as well? I can look around this room right now. And here's something that I say often. I can look at people in this room and honestly say I wish I was more like them in some very specific ways. And so I see opportunities for me to grow in my faith by seeing the example of others around me and the way that they live their life. And I hope that you're able to do that as well because we're surrounded with these people. Paul is so bold to put it this way in 1 Corinthians 11. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Wow. Let, let that sink in. Would you be so bold as to be able to say, I just want people who don't understand what I understand about God. If they will just imitate me, then they'll be able to figure this out. Because I'm going to follow Christ with all I have. And I know if I'm following Christ, if they'll just follow me, then they'll be led to Christ. Can you say that with your life? Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. So that's an action we can take. We can remember the example of others. And then the author also tells us to lighten my load. Lighten my load. That should have got an amen, but it didn't. Y'all are asleep. That's okay. Because there's none of us in here that want to carry a heavy burden around. He says, lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. So there is the truth about following Jesus Christ, that as we begin to follow Christ, there should be some things that change in our life. We should recognize that there are things in my life, now that I'm doing everything I can to follow Christ, that if I let go of these things, it would be better for me to follow Christ. So yes, some people look at Christianity and that's the only lens they view it through. They go, well, I don't want to follow Christ because I don't want to give up this and that and whatever. Well, that's not all there is to it. But that is part of it, that we need to learn to lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. So work on eliminating sinful habits and situations. It requires effort. And I want to say it this way. Pray for strength, but then do the work. Pray for strength. But then do the work. Some, some people think it's this way. This is how you get rid of sin. Lord, would you keep this away from me? And then they walk right into it. Lord, would you please get rid of this? And then they keep doing what they have always done. God, would you just help me move with this? And then they just act the same way and say the same thing. No, pray for strength. But then do the work 
to eliminate these things from your life to get yourself in a better situation. And one of the great ways we do that, we actually talked about already with the example of others, find accountability. Find accountability. You know, God's word tells us not only do we confess our sins to God, we confess our sins to one another. Meaning that we find some people that we can walk this road of life with that says, hey, I'm struggling with this. That you can pick up the phone or you can go grab someone and go, hey, I need some help with this. I'm trying to walk this way in life, but this keeps dragging me down. Can you help me get past this? And I'm just going to go ahead and preach a little more. Don't find people to commiserate with. There's plenty of those people out there. Find some people who are going to help you take some steps of faith, who are going to challenge you, who are going to stretch you in your faith. Stop hanging around people who act, look, and think like you all the time. Be around some people who are going to stretch you in some different ways, and especially those who are going to peer pressure you into being a better you. Those are the people that we need in our life, accountability, help in that way. And if you have a sin that you struggle with, which we all do in seasons, I used to think that, man, if I could just get rid of this one, right, then things would be good. I get rid of that one and God shows me three more that I need to do. So I understand that this is cyclical at times, that I have seasons where I'm struggling here and I get rid of that season and I'm struggling here. But if you're in that season and you're going, man, I just can't seem to knock this, can I give you some advice? Focus on what you want to be and what you want to do, not on the sin that you're struggling with. Because if you wake up each day and go, okay, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin, okay, I'm not going to sin, okay, I'm not going to sin. Oh, gosh, I just hope I don't sin. I don't want to sin. I don't. What do you spend your day thinking about? Your sin. But if you wake up each morning and say, God, I want to be like you, I want to trust you, I want to follow you. God, today, this is what I'm going to live out. God, today, this is what I'm going to do. Now you're focused on a direction that you can go. And, and you're working on getting rid of the things that are hindering you from becoming like Christ. And you're working on running toward the things that are going to help you be more like you. So lighten your load. I love the way Jesus says it point blank. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So God wants to help us find life. He calls us to be able to, to live and be like him. He gives us others to follow the example of. He compels us to lay aside things that are keeping us from being like him, and he's cheering us on all the way. And so what we need to do as well, fix my eyes on Jesus. Fix my eyes on Jesus. Can I just ask a practical question in your faith right now? Where's it going? Where's it going? Have you stopped to think about that? Sometimes our faith only looks backwards. We just start habits and rituals and things, and we hope they lead somewhere good. But actually our faith should be leading us to be more like Christ. We should fix our eyes on Jesus. We should actively be moving toward him, which means that we should be recognizing that we're making progress along the way, that there's something that's happening. Find a target and walk toward him. You have to have an idea of what a living faith looks like. And so I would encourage you, begin happening to life instead of letting life happen to you, right? Because a, a, a 
true faith in Christ is not just a collection of habits that we begin. It's moving toward becoming more like Christ and finding the life that he has for us. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. We move toward him. We walk toward him. You don't just make it up as you go. And can I just say this? If, if you're looking at my Bible here, this is the New Testament side. This is the Old Testament side. And earlier in this sermon series, we've, we've already connected the dots of how Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament side. And we have a new covenant in Christ. And, and God is moving us to something greater than. And I don't think that there's absolutely anything wrong with the Old Testament side of these things. I think it's helpful to us. But can I just say something for me personally? I'm thankful I live here and not here. Because I get to fix my eyes on Jesus. These people lived by faith, an incredible faith. You realize these people had faith in Jesus as well, right? They just didn't have the face in the name to put it with. They believed in God. They took him at his word. They believed in the coming Messiah. But we live on the side of history where we know his name. And we've seen his example. And we have the opportunity to fix our eyes on him and work toward becoming more like him. And we have his word that guides us in doing that. The psalmist says in one night, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Meaning that there's a journey that we're on and God is leading us on that. And the way that we find our way down that journey is this light right here. God's word will lead us on that. We fix our eyes on Jesus and we move toward him. Now here's the kicker. As we move toward him, we go through seasons, don't we? We go through ups and downs. There's, there's things along the path that are sometimes difficult. I run into people often who had a misconception believing that when I choose to follow Jesus, that means, man, I know exactly where I'm going. I know how things are supposed to work out all the time. It's nothing but blessings and popsicles and lollipops and everything. It's just great all the time. But that, that's not how it is. God leads us through different phases and stages on this journey to develop us and shape us into the person he wants us to be. So here's what we need to do on that journey. Trust God's training. Trust God's training. If you noticed in the passage that we read all throughout the music time of our worship service, it talked a lot about the discipline of God, the shaping of God. And it says in there, for what son is there that a father does not discipline? First of all, we should count it a privilege that we're called the sons and daughters of God. He has adopted us and made us his own. And because he has done that, he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. He also loves us so much that he wants a life for us. There's not a parent in this place that doesn't understand that concept. You probably want more for your own children than they want for themselves. God's the same way with us. And so God does things in our life to discipline us, to shape us, to lead us. Sometimes there's trials, sometimes there's blessing, sometimes there's instructions. No matter where it is, trust this, God's ways are best. His ways are best, trust them. So let me just say, I can't say this any plainer than what it is. As you become a follower of Christ and you look at something in his word and you realize that your life isn't reflecting what is in his word, change and do what's in his word. That's what it means to trust his training. When God's word says, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you, he means it. And he means that you'll find life in doing things like that. When we see that God's word is leading me to do something spiritually, relationally, financially, no matter where it is, you do it. 
You trust God's word and you let him shape you. You don't get to shape God's word. And you trust his training and he'll lead you to find life. I love the honesty and the transparency of the author here in verse 11. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Meaning this, God's word might be even uncomfortable to you at times. It might be awkward. It might be hard. But as you learn to live by it and in it and through it, you will begin to yield fruit in your life that you never knew that was there. God will begin to do things in and through you that you never imagined that you could do on your own. So here's another just quick question. When you look back on your journey of faith so far, is there fruit? What does it look like? Or maybe the more important question, is there as much as you thought there should be? Because God wants to lead us on a path of fruitfulness and life in him. And then I love again how we get pointed in this direction just one more time. The author comes right back to this. It's not just about our relationship with God. It's not just about us learning to, to get rid of sin and draw closer to God. He says it as plain as he possibly could, pursue peace with others. You see that word there, right? Pursue. Pursue peace with others. Go after peace with others. As a matter of fact, his word is everyone. I made it easy on you, said others. But God's word says everyone. Yes, that one. Okay? You, you as a follower of Christ are supposed to pursue peace. Meaning you're supposed to go live this out, this word out with others. You see, what God does for us is he not only bridges the gap that sin has created between us and God with the blood of Jesus Christ. He bridges the gap in every relationship in your life that you can't figure out how to get through. And he says, just put me in that gap and you'll figure this out. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. There's a lot to that. I understand. But if we just basically trust God at the base of that and saying, my job as a follower of Christ is to pursue peace with everyone. If you'll just start praying about that and ask God to lead you in that, he'll show you the path. God will meet you where you are, lead you to where you're supposed to be if you will trust him along the path. But we find life when we pursue peace with everyone. Now, some of you, when I say this, only have one idea of what peace means. You're thinking peace as the absence of conflict. That I've got conflict in this area and I need to go do something here. But there's another kind of peace. There's a peace that goes beyond this. The greatest peace that you can give anyone and everyone is a peace that is only known in knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So part of pursuing peace with everyone is also sharing our faith, giving the hope of the gospel to someone that doesn't have it. You couldn't possibly bring more peace in someone's life than to introduce them to the person of Jesus Christ. So that's another part of pursuing peace with everyone. So here's where I'm going to wrap this whole sermon series up with this phrase because, or with this scripture. Because it seems as we read this whole book, and I'm so thankful for it, that the author went to great lengths of connecting the dots of the Old Testament and the New Testament and demonstrating how Jesus is the answer that they've been looking for. He is the Messiah and he's greater than anything else. Really, it all still boils down to this. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. I know many of you have joined us since then, but that's the very first thing I preached this year. Was we're just going to start right here with the greatest command. And it seems like everything that we've looked at and everything we continue to look like look at just keeps pointing us back to that. Because that's where you find life is learning to love God with all that you have, but also learning to trust God in your relationships with others and love others with all that you have as well. And so we're going to wrap this up just a little bit different today. I want to invite us right now just to bow our heads for just a moment.